And so as a beloved and a forgiven people, let us open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to hearing the word. Today's scripture reading is from the epistles. We are reading 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 11. And I am reading today from the Inclusive Bible Translation. But I encourage you to read along or hear this in the biblical language that best connects you with God. So once again, let us hear from 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. And let us hear Paul's words on spiritual gifts. Now, dear siblings in Christ, I want to instruct you on the matter of spiritual gifts. Remember how, when you were still non-believers, you were drawn to mute idols and led astray by them. And it is for this reason that I want you to understand that no one can be speaking under the influence of the Holy Spirit and say, curse Jesus. And by the same token, no one can say, Jesus Christ reigns supreme unless they are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. There is a variety of gifts, but always the same spirit. There is a variety of ministries, but we serve the same one. There is a variety of outcomes, but the same God is working in all of them. To each person is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one, the Spirit gives wisdom in discourse. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Through the Spirit, one person receives faith. Through the same Spirit, another is given the gift of healing and still another miraculous powers. Prophecy is given to one, to another power to distinguish one spirit from another. One receives the gift of tongues and another that of interpreting tongues. But it is one and the same spirit who produces all these gifts and distributes them as she wills. Thus ends our reading. These are the lessons of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So you may have noticed a theme in our readings today, in our liturgies, in our prayers, in our music, and it's about gifts. And the title of today's sermon is The Gift Drawer, We All Have One. And I'm sure we're all in our minds right now thinking about that very gift drawer that we have. But first... I want to take a look at the text itself and give us a little background from where Paul is coming from. Now, Paul has a long history with this particular church, with this Corinthian church. And if you go back and read Acts 18, you will get a window into this long history that he has. The Apostle Paul spent about 18 months there on his second missionary journey. And while he was there, he established a church. 
Acts 18 gives us a good amount of detail about Paul's work in Corinth during that time. And at the conclusion of his visit to Corinth, Paul left to go on to Ephesus, Jerusalem, Antioch, and Galatia, and left behind in Corinth a beloved and trusted group of leaders to continue his work there. And because of this long history, this deep relationship he has with the congregation and the leadership of the church, he's able to speak quite frankly with them. How many of us are willing to hear hard truths from people we know and love versus people who don't know much about us at all? Or maybe you're just not willing to hear hard truths, period. Which is the case often for many of us. But regardless... Paul did have a deep relationship with this church. And so what's going on here is that Chloe, one of the aforementioned leaders of the Corinthian Jesus followers that Paul had left in charge, felt like she had to write to Paul because things weren't right. And he needed, and she needed to get him to set things straight. The church the Corinthian church, was going through some changes. And it didn't look the same as it did when Paul first established it. New leaders had come and gone, and the people were more established as a community of believers than they had been before. And as they grow into this new identity, there are growing pains, and they are struggling internally Now, there are a number of issues that Paul addresses in this letter to the Corinthians, but in particular, this passage responds to a concern over how people are using their spiritual gifts. Now, as many of you know, Paul and I are working on our relationship together. We have been seeing a lot more of one another lately, okay? So let's just set that out there. And I've got to give it to him. I know, y'all are shocked. I got to give it to him. This guy really knows how to write and really knows how to write a good response. I have always thought this, even as we've had our, let's say, differences of opinion on other topics, But Paul writes so eloquently. And this letter is a perfect example of that. So Paul has set up his response to Chloe in 1 Corinthians in very clear sections, as he does with many of the letters that are fully attributed to him. Remember, this is real Paul, not maybe Paul. He goes step by step through the issues that Chloe has brought to his attention in her letter to him. Issues that we assume, of course, that she's brought up because we don't have the letter which initiated his response. But these are the issues that Paul is outlining. And so if you read the letter in its entirety, you'll see in earlier parts of the letter, Paul tackles a question about eating practices, about interpersonal relationships. How do we relate to one another? And today's reading is in the middle. It relates to spiritual gifts and what it means to be a community of Jesus followers and believers. And then at the end of the letter, 
He discusses unity, unity in beliefs, all before he wraps it up to remind them that they are united in Christ and that he will be praying for them so that they follow through on their commitments to be united in their mission together. And something he does throughout the different sections of 1 Corinthians is argue that the practical and the spiritual stuff of community life need to be shaped by the gospel of Christ. That gospel, gospel meaning good news, the good news of God's transformative love for all of humanity. Not just for the Jesus-following Jews. Not just for the Jesus-following Gentiles. Not just for what would become the Christian church but God's love for all of humanity. As Paul understands the purpose of the church, it's to work together for the betterment of the community. The church community, of course, but also the community that the church serves, the community that the church finds itself in. And in the case of this letter, it's Corinth. For Paul, it always comes back to that, no matter what. How is what you are doing or saying or teaching or preaching or living strengthening the community and making Jesus known to even those who do not believe? It always comes back to that. And when it comes to spiritual gifts, he says... If you are using them to raise yourself up as better than someone else because of the gift you have received, well, you're not using them in the way that the Spirit intended them to be used when she imparted them upon you. Spiritual gifts are intended to be used, and again, Paul comes back to this salient point, to create community. But not just to create but to then strengthen it, to perfect it. These gifts have been manifested by the Spirit to bring into fruition that phrase that we pray at least every week, that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how does this speak to us today in this moment? Now, truth be told, I would say it's not that we have folks putting on airs and setting themselves up to be better than anyone else because they have different spiritual gifts in this community. I would say that the people in this faith community and in the majority of the faith communities I have had the blessing to be a part of, they do not share exactly the same difficulties in that respect that our first century Corinthian church did. But I do think that we, in this day, in this time, in this moment, share some of the concerns that the ancient church had. Because we, too, as a people and a denomination, are trying to figure out how to be church in a world that can be hostile towards Christianity, and not without reason, 
or a world that is simply indifferent to our presence. And we struggle with a pandemic that has created a need for safety, which requires closed doors and virtual gatherings. Virtual gatherings, which yes, they help us stay in contact with one another, but they just can't provide the same sense of connection that physical proximity can. So we too, like the church at Corinth, are struggling in this new world with a new identity on how to use our gifts and how to be church. And with the doors closed, we're now kind of out of sight, out of mind. And we must also wrestle with the indifference, not just of society, not just of our communities, but also, and let's be honest here, also the indifference at times of our own people. And the truth is, I get it. Like, I get it. The world is a heavy, heavy place right now. For many people, church has become more of an obligation, certainly pre-pandemic. It's become more of an obligation than something that's life-giving. And this pandemic has provided the break that some people need from the institution. I get it. There is no shaming here for needing to take a break. I often point out that even Jesus stepped away from time to time to center himself and tend to his own spirit. But that is a message for another time. What I want us to focus on today is the question of our own spiritual gifts when we are few And it can often feel like there are insurmountable issues to be dealt with in the world and there just aren't enough of us to make a difference. I want to focus on our own spiritual gifts and whether we are actively part of a church community or not because there are people who have found us online who are not actively part of a faith community which you are, you're a part of us now. But we all have gifts of the Spirit, no matter where we find ourselves. Now, some folks are uncomfortable with talking about spiritual gifts. You can call them talents. You can call them special skills, niche interests, or areas of expertise if spiritual gift makes you uncomfortable. We're all talking about the same thing. And we all have them. So what are you doing with your spiritual gift? Have you put it in a spiritual or emotional gift drawer? Has it been left there to be forgotten or to collect dust? Y'all, we all have that gift drawer that I mentioned before at home, right? For us, it's the shelf in the linen closet. Maybe for you, it's in the bathroom. It's the one with all the things that people have given you over the years that you just don't know what to do with. They're the gifts of the scented soaps that you'll never use. (laughs) 
or the candles or the hand lotions and body sprays that we tend to re-gift. And then there are the things that we hide away in those drawers because dusting them off can be complicated. Our relationship to those gifts, those pieces, it's complicated. For some of us, our relationship with our spiritual gifts and using them is really complicated too. Especially if we're feeling like we just can't step foot in church. And so we stash away our gifts and they never get used. It's like the gifts in the drawer which we've received from others. Our spiritual gifts are also given in love. They're given to us by the Spirit and they are meant to be used no matter how weird or funky some of those gifts may be. Even the weird hand lotions that smell like grandma's basement, those were given in love. Those were given in love with the expectation that they would be used. Thank goodness spiritual gifts, talents, callings, vocations, whatever you want to call it, are not those kinds of gifts. But they are gifts that need to be used to their fullest potential, no matter what. And as people who claim Christianity, whether you come to church faithfully or not, as people called Christian, as our faith and guiding principle, we are expected to use those gifts for the greater good to build community and connection, to empower to seek out the broken places and illuminate them in love, to heal, to speak truth, to power. And that, beloveds, is not limited to the pews of the church. Because that is what it means to be church in this day and age. It is not the size of our congregation or the power and influence we hold. Being church is, as Paul reminds us, it's about building lasting relationships in our communities for the thriving of all of creation. And we do that through the full use of our gifts. Gifts that have been bestowed upon us by the Spirit as she has seen fit. Gifts that are given in love to inspire us to inspire. Gifts that empower us to empower. Not gifts to simply get us to church, but gifts that encourage us to be the church in the world. So, what are you doing with your gifts? Are they tucked in a drawer somewhere? How can we inspire you to re-engage them in your communities? How can God guide you to see your gifts in a new light? A light that shows you just how valuable you are, how loved you are, and how valuable what you have to offer 
The world is. The world needs you. The world needs you and your gifts more than ever before. The world needs to know that God's love knows no boundaries. That God's love is all around. That it is available to everyone. And with that love, something better is possible. The church needs you, all of you, needs you and your gifts more than ever before, especially now when we cannot gather together in person because you are the church in the world. You are an ambassador for God's love. And where you go and use your gifts The church is present, and it's working toward a more just and merciful reality. So my challenge to us all this week and in the weeks to come is how can you use your gifts to bring more love, more healing, more compassion in the world? Maybe your gift is cooking. Is there someone you know who could use a meal or a treat for no other reason than you felt compelled to bring them some joy or to let them know that they're seen? Are you someone who loves to chat with strangers? Make eye contact. Invite someone in the elevator or on the bus or the train or on your daily walk to share their stories with you. Better yet, call a local hospital or nursing home and ask if there is anyone who just wants to talk with someone on the phone. Let them know that they are remembered and that they are cared for. Maybe you're a knowledge keeper. Do you have a special skill that you can share and teach? Maybe apply to be a substitute teacher to support the staffing shortages in our schools. This, this is how we live into our calling to be the church in the world, even when the institution exhausts us. By using our gifts in new and exciting ways above and beyond what we have perhaps thought of as being the traditional use of our spiritual gifts. May we all be called to respond to today's word and to do something, something to make God known in the world this week and always. What is your gift, your talent, your specialty? Use it. Use it to make a difference. And may we all be inspired to do it in the name of the one who inspires creativity, who bestows miraculous gifts and encourages transformation in the name of capital L, love. The work of God's love is here and everywhere, and we all 
have the gifts to make it happen. May it be so, and may it be for the benefit of all of creation. Amen.